0: bitcoiners i just got off with two people that are pushing forward bitcoin cryptocurrencies and the sovereign individual agenda in panama literally the guy who wrote the bill for the cryptocurrency bill in panama that is currently being circulated is a huge fan of my favorite book, The Sovereign Individual, and he is pushing for that agenda in Panama. He's actually trying to perpetuate the thesis of the book in his country. And it's amazing to see and learn that Panama is such a commerce, capitalism, freedom forward place. That was uh, a new learning for me. So these gentlemen are trying to make Panama an internet-friendly place, a place that plugs into the future and plugs into the internet. And while this is not a Bitcoin maximalist bill, they explain that Panama can't really even have a sole legal tender, which is something super unique about the country. I think you all are going to really enjoy this conversation. And yeah, let's just get right into it learn a little bit about what is happening with legalization and acceptance of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in Panama. Bitcoiners, welcome back to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. I am sitting across from two gentlemen who are involved in making moves for Bitcoin and crypto in Panama. I'm sitting across from Congressman Gabriel Silva. And tech entrepreneur Felipe and Chandi, welcome both to the podcast. Did I get your name right, Felipe? I'm sorry. Close enough. Don't worry. Awesome. Well, welcome both to the podcast. So, Felipe, you were part of writing the draft for this bill. And then Gabriel, you're kind of the congressman pushing this forward. I'm kind of interested, give us the backdrop of what is happening in Panama and then and the story behind how you two started working together. Let's start with you, Gabriel. Yeah, thank you for the invite. It's a
1: pleasure to share with you and your audience what's going on in Panama and how we're pushing for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and crypto assets and blockchain technology here in Panama. So the history of Panama has been a history of providing services to the world. Like We have Panama Canal, maybe some people have heard about that. That has changed the world's commerce. We have The second largest duty-free zone in the world, the first one is Hong Kong, then comes Panama, the city of Cologne. We have a very strong and good law that attracts multinational headquarters to Panama. So we have, for example, Under Armour, Procter & Gamble, Dell Computers, they have multinational headquarters here in Panama. We have a lot of ports. So it has been a, a country that has focused its industry, its development to services and to connecting the world. Nevertheless, what Felipe, myself, and others have noticed is that we keep as a country betting or pushing these sectors, these industrial sectors, but we're not thinking enough about new sectors, innovating, technology, digital economy, and so forth. So taking this in consideration, we saw what happened in El Salvador some months ago when the Congress approved the Bitcoin law in El Salvador. And that in a certain way inspired me, inspired many people across the globe, And we realized that, well, they took the first step and that in a certain way pressured us to think about that, to see how we can legislate on that, regulate it, promote it, and even be better than El Salvador in the ways that we can. So that was the way that this idea was generated. Thinking of the history of Panama, the country that we ought to be if we want to continue providing services to the world. And for me, that's been in the forefront of technology, innovation, and that definitely includes cryptocurrencies. We saw what happened in El Salvador that pushed us to put this bill in Congress. And we worked for it like about three months, three, three months almost. And it was a very interesting drafting process because we had a lot of support from the local community. We set up telegrams, group chats, we set up emails, WhatsApp numbers, web pages where people could just throw their ideas, their suggestions. We set up a volunteer group. I set up a volunteer group of about 12 people, engineers, lawyers, everything. Activists to build the law, and it was presented in Congress just uh, about two months ago. I knew Felipe from way back, from, I don't know, maybe about 10 years, maybe, Felipe. And we met, I think I got to meet Felipe a little bit better since we were part of this group called Global Shapers. It's a group from the World Economic Forum, and they basically get people that are 20 to 30 years old that are causing some impact in their countries. And they put them together, organize them, and then help them create better projects for their community. So that's how I met Felipe. And when I met Felipe, he was actually working in cryptocurrency. I think you were working in some company or some startup that was working with cryptocurrency. So he was the guy in Panama that we had to talk if, and was, was always preaching and talking about Bitcoin. And I remember teasing him back then about Bitcoin because he was like the Bitcoin master. He knew everything about it. And it was such a, a new thing here. And, well, and it was still cheaper. Yeah, You didn't buy yeah, enough. That was when it was like, I don't know, $1,000 or something. And look at us now, you know, after 10 years now, things got serious and I'm now in parliament in Congress, and Congress and Felipe helped me lead the team that drafted this law. So that's a little bit of the story and background of how this
0: happened to be. Felipe, I want to get your story of how did you become the Bitcoin guy in Panama? And then maybe we can start talking about the bill itself.
2: Yeah, sure. So I am actually regional. I was born in Costa Rica. I'm a Panamanian citizen as well. And my mother is actually Nicaraguan. And she had to flee Nicaragua during the 80s because that's what happens in Latin America. You know, a country blows up and you have to flee it if you can. And depending on the side you're in. And it's a very unstable life for many people. People from Venezuela, for example, are facing that in this moment. People in Colombia have faced it this before, given the internal turmoil and civil war they've had. And that is something that just unfortunately happens in this part of the world. So when I discovered Bitcoin many years ago, it blew my mind, the potential that it had to give people new avenues to self-ownership of the product of their labor and just in general, be sovereign individuals. I saw you picked up a book back there, which is one of my favorite books, actually, and it just... Has blown my mind. The potential of Bitcoin and the ideas contained in part in that book, I believe, are going to open the eyes of people in very different parts of the world to try to find solutions to social problems in a way that aligns incentives with people that produce value digitally. As you know, and I mean, you have several copies there, the whole point is digital value creation is taking precedence over physical value creation, so you cannot treat individuals in the same way as governments, cannot treat individuals in the same way as we've done before. And in Panama, we've been heavily reliant on physical value creation. Our geographical position has been always privileged. We have the canal, we have been sort of like a physical in real life meat space hub. And the issue now is how can we bolster that position by becoming a place that's open to the digital value world, to the metaverse that's being built, to crypto and this whole new way of of creating value online. So this bill, the vision that we set up is to transform Panama into something that looks more like a decentralized autonomous organization. We believe countries that are going to survive are the ones that are actually going to provide services to the people that live within their borders, not just countries that have always been the tax collectors within these borders. So the vision is we believe crypto can not only help people move value, preserve the value of their labor, but also can allow new forms of governance, new forms of establishing trust among people. And we set up not only to make Panama compatible with Bitcoin, like what El Salvador did in their own way but rather to make Panama an open place to create these new sorts of governance and this new sort of way of establishing trust among individuals.
0: Okay. So El Salvador, Bitcoin legal tender, Bitcoin only, strong focus on Lightning Network adoption, government wallet. What's the status of the bill in Panama? And what can the people expect from the bill? It sounds like your team has a very different vision.
1: Yeah, the bill that we presented in Congress, it's a bit different in many aspects to the bill that was approved in in Salvador. Just to name a few, our bill is, I think, it's not only about cryptocurrency. It's not only about one cryptocurrency. It's about crypto assets in general. It's about implementing blockchain technology in the government to make it more transparent, to make it more efficient. And it's also about attracting corporations and international startups and foster local startups that want to work in the digital economy sector and the blockchain sector and the cryptocurrency and crypto asset sector. So when you see that the bill in, in El Salvador, which I'm not judging or criticizing, it's much more shorter. It's about one coin. And the government is more directly involved. They set up a wallet, they set up a fund, and they made the coin a certain way mandatory. What we're doing in Panama, it's a bit different. And for several reasons, one of them is that in Panama, there can't be, by constitution, there can't be one single coin or we can't force the use of one single coin. So we can't tell Panamanians like, tomorrow we will only use the US dollar or we will only use the euro, there can't be one only coin. That's I think a a positive thing. So that means that the country can adopt as many coins as they want. So the first thing when we were drafting this bill and saw the one in Salvador is that our constitution does not permit us
0: to put in in a bill that there's only going to be one cryptocurrency. So, so one no dollar. legal tender in Panama, I guess. Like, how does legal tender work there? I'm assuming, you know, Panama, you have your own currency. We so, use the U.S. dollars,
1: we use no? the US dollars okay. like El Salvador, actually. Very similar to El Salvador in that way. We use the U.S. dollars, but we can change that anytime. And we can't use only one coin according to our constitution. One bill, one tender. So to to we're go further
2: there, Gabriel, actually, down. we've never had a central bank
1: in mm. the
2: nation's history. Panama was created as a country and never had a central bank, has never had legal tender in the sense that it is forcibly imposed on people. We do have legal tender in the sense of collecting taxes. So the government has to choose what they will use to collect taxes. That's in the fiscal code, but the constitution clearly states that it is prohibited to impose the acceptance of a particular currency on individuals and businesses. Therefore, our solution was, well, we can't do what El Salvador did, And we actually think it might be a good idea to not do it. In Panama already, you can go, despite that we use the US dollar mostly in day-to-day transactions, you can go to banks and open accounts in Swiss francs, in euro, in yen. That's something that's possible here. And we don't have capital controls. We don't have a central bank. El Salvador does have a central bank, even though they're dollarized. So we Mm -hmm. have a very specific historical backdrop that I think makes us suited to just be open. Just be open and accept whatever people and individuals accept. And that includes all of crypto assets and the market will decide which are the good ones and which are
1: not. Yeah. So the first big difference is that the project recognizes the use of cryptocurrency as a medium of paying and getting paid. And that's important because it provides the legal certainty, the legal backdrop, the legal structure, and recognizes the use of cryptocurrencies as a medium of exchange. We are different from El Salvador, we don't mention one, it's not only Bitcoin, it's any cryptocurrencies can be used. So that's the first thing that is important on the project, just recognizing the use of cryptocurrency, any cryptocurrency as a medium of exchange. Maybe we would have liked, and we discussed putting only Bitcoin, but as we mentioned, our constitution does not permit us to do that. Second thing that's important is the use of blockchain technology in the government. As I mentioned, the intention of this is that... With this law, we are including in the digital agenda of the government, the government has a digital agenda with plans to all of the institutions and ministries and agencies. We're including in that digital agenda, the use of blockchain technology in the different government agencies. And we think that's positive. And Felipe might expand on on what would that specifically translate to. It will be positive because it will help us save money, have more efficient processes, more transparency, and more citizen participation. So that's a very important part of the project. And the third most important part of the project, I would say, what I already mentioned, the part of attracting, creating a license so that companies, startups, entrepreneurs from all over the world come to Panama, are attracted by our country, its location, its weather, and come here and and foster and create their own startups that are focused on digital economy, cryptocurrency, and crypto assets. We want big companies and small companies and entrepreneurs to come here and foster the creation and the growth of cryptocurrencies in Panama and in the world. So those are the main three things about this project, which as I mentioned, they differ from El Salvador, which is only one bill, small bill, 12 articles, bitcoins that it's recognized as mandatory and that's it. This project is a little bit broader, bigger, and I think it has a a more ample uh, and bigger vision of, of what technology should be in Panama.
0: All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender, y'all. I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into lead in interest accounts. And you can get 8.5% on USDC deposits. I mean... I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in they leverage it up and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish. Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves, and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the Ledin guys, they know what Bitcoin is like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about the deep dive. The deep dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium market intelligence newsletter. This is a no fluff hard-hitting, incredible newsletter going deep into the market, helping you understand what's happening with derivatives, what's happening on-chain, what's happening in macro, what's happening with the narrative, and what's happening with the tech. My man Dylan McClare is an absolute savant. He is making his name known in the Bitcoin community, getting shout-outs left and right, getting on podcasts left and right, and him and his team are bringing you everything that you need to know about Bitcoin. You don't even have to be on Bitcoin Twitter. You can ignore every other newsletter. This is the newsletter to rule them all. Go over to members.bitcoinmagazine.com. Sign up today. And if you use promo code MACRO, you get a full month for free. You have nothing to lose. What are you waiting for? Sign up. See the incredible work that Dylan and his team are putting out. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. You don't pay a dime if you do, you know, it's going to be well worth the sats in investment in understanding Bitcoin and gaining the confidence to continue to invest in Bitcoin and making the right moves around Bitcoin. And it's going to be well worth every single Satoshi. Again, can't recommend it enough. That is members.bitcoinmagazine.com, promo code MACRO. Do it today. Yeah. So there's a lot to tease out here. I'm sure Felipe wants to jump in with some clarifications, but just really quickly on, you know, recognizing all crypto as a medium of exchange. What does that do to like the tax liability around capital gains and stuff like that? It already sounds like Panama is a very trade-free kind of environment as it is, but can you just talk about maybe like Granted, this passes, you know, what does that look like for someone who's sitting on massive dollar denominated gains in the cryptocurrency and yet is using it as a medium of exchange and as money? Certainly.
2: So the whole backdrop of the bill is certainty. Certainty and in a competitive way. So to answer your question, not only crypto assets are recognized as a medium of exchange if people decide to accept them. So it's voluntary acceptance of medium of exchange of any cryptocurrency or crypto asset. In second place, certainty in tax rules. In Panama, we have something that is called a territorial tax system. In contrast to the US, people are taxed based on where the asset is located. So if you have an asset that is located in Panama, for example, stock in a private company in Panama, that is an asset that is invested in Panama, that asset is subject to either capital gains or sales tax regimes, depending on the type of asset. So in this case, most of crypto assets actually are not invested economically anywhere, they are in the internet. So what we've attempted to do in the bill is to make compatible Panama's territorial tax system in a way that recognizes that internet-based value is not Panama tax income. So basically, In summary, you would not pay any capital gains over any crypto assets that do not have an underlying value that's invested economically in Panama. So if you tokenize your house in Panama and you sell it to a third party, you will pay capital gains on that token because it's essentially selling your house as if you were selling an actual piece of land in Panama. We actually pick a differentiated capital gains rate. Uh, It's 4%, which is way lower than most of the world, frankly. But most of crypto assets, if they don't have an underlying value that's basically invested in the Republic, which is most of internet value creation, that would be considered foreign source income. So the whole point here is to make it attractive for individuals to become Panamanian tax residents. Come here, live here, build the future from our jungles, from our beaches, and pay very little taxes, but at the same time, spend here, live here, and get to know people here which is what we want transfer that knowledge to Panamanians that are starting to pick up what they're going to do in their life as they leave you know school or whatever so what we are trying to achieve is to make it attractive to come here and innovate from panama and in addition to tax another part of certainty that we've been very careful to include is what is custody of crypto assets? We've seen in the US, and we've been following really closely the discussion in the infrastructure bill, and more recently, the discussions of the SEC, that the chairman of the SEC is suggesting that most crypto assets apparently are securities, which that is frankly nerve-wracking. And we believe that in here, we can give way better certainty for innovators to know the rules that apply to them. So specifically, on the custody side, a person that Participates in a multi sig transaction or an end transaction is not considered a custodian. If you create a smart contract like Swap, Uniswap, et cetera, you are not custodying crypto assets. That does not trigger any type of license. The whole DeFi space is basically peer to peer, it's smart contracts. It's something that is not really, does not entail necessarily the custody of crypto assets. The only place that a license will be required is. If an individual is actually fully trusting another person to custody their assets, and that means a full custodial system, like what Coinbase does, for example, and some other solutions. So what we wanted to be is really, really open. And for that, we actually followed Coin Center's definition on custody. And also we included some of the exemptions proposed by Wyden and Loomis in the U.S. to make it clear that we don't want to bring everyone in the fold of licensing. For example, NFTs, regulating a digital art gallery as a bank would be just a category error that would just be zero compatible with internet value creation. So that type of certainty is what we work really hard to create. And hopefully when this becomes law, we will have a ton of people come here and become Panamanian residents and build really cool
0: things from here. I love that. I mean, it's clear that you are a fan of the sovereign individual. Obviously, I am a fan of the sovereign individual. I think it's the most important book that someone can read today. But I think it'll it'll really it's been prescient and I think will guide you to make smart decisions into the future. And the principles of the sovereign individual is that internet value creation will unlock the doors for jurisdictional arbitrage like we've never seen, it. right? And when I hear you two talking about the specific tax situation and specific legal tender situation and things like that in Panama and the geographic benefits as well and all the things you're talking about Panama as you know reasons for people to come to Panama and reasons why Panama is going to effectively compete directly with every other country for talent, And capital, it really just shows that the book was completely spot on. So it's kind of amazing that someone who is reading the book is kind of like actually making it kind of come true in a jurisdiction that this already is something that makes sense for. But I just, you know, that observation to me was pretty mind blowing.
2: No, I completely agree. And the whole point here is the name of the bill is actually crypto law, but the longer title is a bill that makes the Republic of Panama compatible with the internet. That's what we want to achieve. That's the end goal. Crypto is just the latest incarnation of the internet. It is the native money to the internet. So if we want to completely merge into the internet, which is the forefront of humanity right now in almost every aspect, we need to be compatible with that. That's why the bill had to be longer and more complex than just establishing a currency as legal tender. It's a compatibility bill. We are basically creating standards to plug Panama into the internet API of sorts. So people can actually live here and build the future of mankind
0: from here. So I love a lot of the things you're saying. I love that you two are open to making Panama more competitive for talent globally. I think that's really important. There's something like Bitcoin Magazine is a Bitcoin kind of focused periodical for me. I like to observe the entire crypto sphere. I'm very interested in what's happening across a lot of different coins in the smart contract space. But my base case is like Bitcoin is still the alpha omega and what is actually shaping this revolution. So when I hear things like, you know, we want to add blockchain technology to the government, I'm like, eh, like what kind of blockchain? How is the service distributed? What's hosting it? Is it on Ethereum? I'm like, you know, what is adding the blockchain to the government? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, everything else kind of makes sense to me, but that's what, like one of the big things that just like, it kind of jumped out as as a red flag I, to I, me just because I, I don't get it. I just don't get it.
2: It's not Bitcoin. It's the blockchain. That's what some people say, right? And that's not the ethos at all. The issue is we're so behind in so many other aspects, really basic things that you take for granted in the U.S. and Panama, kind of are just not possible. And What we believe is we will drive way more adoption of Bitcoin and other crypto assets as payment methods if people learn to use them for every sort of action in their day-to-day life. If they're, for example, right here in Panama, we have a national ID card. That's something that exists many years ago. So we don't have that debate on whether having ID cards or not like in the US, it's already a fact. Let's have ID cards that are compatible with the internet so we can have something like what Estonia did, where we become providers of digital identity for anyone in the world to do even more traditional things. Not everyone has to, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's not crypto only. It's a way to establish trust among, among people. But I completely understand what you say. And frankly, I am also, I am not, I guess, a Bitcoin maximalist, but I think Bitcoin is just the project that has the most clout and the most history. And I'm actually very excited of some solutions that even are exploring, you know, smart contracts on top of Bitcoin and some other things that might not be huge yet, but that might be very big or lightning itself. So rather than imposing a specific technology, what we want to do is, again, make Panama compatible with the internet, whatever that entails. One point, for example, we have in the bill is to make internet access universally accessible. That is something that may sound crazy, but in our part of the world, that makes all the difference for a little kid that's in the middle of the, you know a, a rural Panama. That person can access Wikipedia with the internet and can read about Bitcoin and these things or find a sovereign individual or a translation into Spanish or whatever. Whereas a person without the internet is literally stuck with their school teacher that probably has no idea about these things. So this goes beyond just payments and crypto assets. It's more of a what type of country we want to be and what type of culture we want to have. And that's why we tried to be really, really open. But I hear you. I think Bitcoin is an extremely exciting project. And uh, hopefully we'll see more adoption here.
0: So Gabriel, I want to go back to you. And I'm kind of curious, what are your key motivations here? And what do you see this doing to Panama? And I guess we can go from there.
1: Sure. So I'm a politician and my job is to take care of the people here in Panama and to help them have better lives, more fulfilling lives, and have better public services. The people are my clients, though so that's the people I want to help, the people in my country. And I think this bill is very positive for them for several reasons. I think number one is the possibility of creating new jobs, just attracting companies from abroad that want to come to Panama, establishes their offices here in the beaches, in the rainforest, in the city or fostering entrepreneurs and companies here in Panama that provide value and that work in the digital economy, that just helps by providing jobs to the people here in Panama. Very interesting that when studying this project, we came about a a very interesting case of Singapore where more people work in the digital economy sector than in the traditional banking sector. So Panama has always been compared to Singapore. It's been called the Singapore of Latin America, this and that. And I think this is something very important we should be focusing on because, in the end of the, of the day, it's important for me and for the Panamanian people because it has the potential to create hundreds and thousands of jobs for the population. That's the main motivation for me. I think the second motivation is just that what Felipe mentioned, and broadly speaking, is by attracting foreign talent, by attracting people who know about this, who have studied this, who worked on this, and Just getting them here and creating that ecosystem in Panama of foreign talents and make them share with the community, create groups here, that is very valuable for the country. Just having people that are talented, that are intelligent, that are thinking about the forefront and the development of technology and innovation of the world, just having them here is very positive for the country. Not only because maybe when they buy something at the store that represents taxes they have to pay but also because they will share with the local community and they will help them grow and provide. And the, it's a leak of knowledge. So I think that's the second motivation about this project, bringing people here that can share the community and can help make Panama a better place. Just having these people here, share with Congress people, share with the politicians, share with the regular Panamanian who help our country be a, a better place and innovative place. So th- I think those are my two main motivations as a politician, jobs for the people, and also. The potential of attracting people here and creating a bigger community and exploring more ideas and not getting stuck in the traditional history of Panama, which we already mentioned of the same traditional services and and sectors and industry, but being at the front and development of technology and innovation. I think that will be a game changer in our future. It will help us grow in GDP, in employment, reduce our poverty rates, help foster better education, achieve better education. As Felipe mentioned, just with this bill by giving access to internet to the entire population or or most of the population. It's access to education, it's access to jobs, it's access to knowledge. And we are a country where there are twice the number of cell phones. When we consider the amount of population, we have 4 million people here in Panama, but there are 8 million, 9 million cell phones with internet access. Nevertheless, we still have about 20, 25% of the population that do not have access to internet. And we're trying to reach that population to help them grow, have better lives. That is my my motivation behind the bill.
0: We have a storm
2: here as you heard tropical weather.
0: <laughs> so I want to learn a little bit more about what's the status on the bill and do you expect the bill to pass? And if it does get passed, you know, what does implementation kind of look like?
1: Sure. And one thing, additionally, I would say just providing people with the liberty of choosing how they want to invest their money and how they want to transfer their money and how they want to buy and sell their things. So it's interesting because Panama, unfortunately, more than half of the population does not have a bank account. And when you don't have a bank account today, you don't have access to credit. You don't have access to have a a credit card, a debit card to pay things. And it's it's essential today if you want to get a better education, get a job or or build a a small company. Nevertheless, more than 50 percent of the population does not have a, a bank account. And I think that by providing and allowing and giving legal certainty to cryptocurrencies to like Bitcoin and others, that helps people transfer money, buy things, receive things easier, cheaper than if they had to depend on the traditional banking institutions here in Panama or any other place in the world. So we presented the bill about two weeks ago. The presentation was very successful in a way because it was co-sponsored by many members of parliament from all different political parties. So it's not one member of parliament, one congressman pushing the bill forward. Many members of parliament from all across different political parties signed it. And that's very valuable because it shows that it's not carried by one politician, but it's hopefully a a project that carries the Panama flag, not of one political party or one politician. We have talked already with many government, high-ranking government officials from the different ministries and agencies that have to do with this bill. We have upcoming meetings in the next weeks with several of these government agencies to explain the project to them. They show interest in it. They want to better understand it. So I feel I have a sensing of a lot of optimism and and curiosity from the presidency of Panama and below about this bill. They have seen the attention that it has brought in Panama from the local community and international community. So they're very, very curious and excited about building up on this bill. It's very difficult to say how long it will take to make it a law, so that it is approved a law. It's very different from Salvador. Our internal politics, it's a little bit different. You know, there's one party in Salvador who has the presidency and who also has parliament, so they can get stuff easier and faster approved. Our democracy is a little bit more messy in in a positive way, maybe, and diverse. Nevertheless, as I mentioned, there's a strong community in Panama that wants this project to become law, and they're pushing for it. And there's curiosity from all types of political parties and, and, and the government. So I think it, it has a positive future, a positive outlook. I would also mention that the bill, as it has presented, and I want to repeat this, and I have been repeating it several times, it's not set in stone. It has the opportunity to grow, to change, to modify things, to make it even better. And we have set up so many different channels of communication with the the citizens so that they can send us their suggestions, their questions, their doubts, whatever that they have, so that they can also participate in building and creating this project. It's not set in stone. It's still a project that can be improved and should be improved because we know that it's not perfect, but we want to get it as close as perfect as we can. One thing I would add is we translated the project, the bill, in English.
2: And it's actually, I don't know if you're going to have show notes and you can add the text, but any legal geeks out there that want to help us improve it even further, we'd love your help. We want to make this as compatible with as many types of initiatives as we can. And we're open to improving on the definitions and texts and, and, and all of that. And I'm sure this audience has a great diverse set of people that that actually in, are pretty knowledgeable about this so it would be amazing to get that type of feedback not only from people in panama but people abroad
0: i believe it's embedded in a bitcoin magazine article so i'll yes. i'll put that into the show notes bitcoiners i am so excited to tell you about the bitcoin 2022 conference you guys, Bitcoin 2021 was absolutely a smash hit success. It was over 13,000 Bitcoiners coming together, breaking the barriers on who can come together and celebrate freedom, celebrate Bitcoin. And the energy was absolutely electric. Unfortunately, it was just oversubscribed. There's just people flowing out everywhere. And this year, we are learning, we are making the conference bigger and better. We are moving over to the Miami Beach Convention Center, and we are going to be throwing a massive four-day festival for Bitcoin, celebrating Bitcoin, bringing together the greatest minds in Bitcoin and the greatest businesses in Bitcoin, and lastly, the culture of Bitcoin all together We have a four-day extravaganza planned for you guys for Bitcoin 2022. Day one is going to be industry day. It is a day where you can buy a special ticket in order to just mingle and make business deals happen. Day two and three is going to be a full-blown Bitcoin conference. This is our main conference. This is going to be on April 7th and 8th. And then lastly, we have the Sound Music Festival, day four. Imagine going to Coachella, but for Bitcoin. There's going to be very few talks. It's going to be all about the culture of Bitcoin. It's going to be all about hanging with your fellow plebs. And it's going to be an absolutely amazing time. There's going to be Bitcoin musicians, Bitcoin artists, and all your favorite Bitcoiners. And just an amazing environment to party and just see it all, soak it all in. And to get people to realize that a Bitcoin world... A world filled with bitcoin people doing bitcoin things is the world that they want to live in that's what bitcoin 2022 is all about that is what the bitcoin conference is all about that's what bitcoin magazine is all about so it is going to be a celebration of bitcoin the bitcoiners and this amazing movement that is going to make the world a better place. Go to b.tc forward slash conference, learn more about the Bitcoin conference, learn more about all the amazing things that are happening in Miami around the Bitcoin conference and buy your tickets. And guess what? If you buy your tickets with Bitcoin, you save $100 on all the tickets and $1,000 on the whale pass. So if you want the VIP pass, the big kahuna, if you buy with Bitcoin, you save $1,000. That's a lot of sats. So Go and do it right now today. Don't wait. Prices are only going up. This is going to be a can't miss event. Bitcoiners, let's take a break from the content. And I want to tell you about Coolbix. Coolbix is an awesome Bitcoin hardware wallet that has been around for a really long time. They are building an amazing Bitcoin wallet called the Cool Wallet Pro. The Cool Wallet Pro is state of the art. Bitcoin hardware wallet technology. Its form factor is like a credit card. You can put it into your wallet and it is designed to go with you on the go. So that way, even when you're on the go, you can have the benefit of a two-factor Hardware wallet design when you're trying to spend your Bitcoin. So you can have your Bitcoin wallet, UX on your phone and make it really easy to scan, decide what you want to do. But then you sign with a cool bit X, which is in your back pocket. It is tamper proof. It is waterproof. It is flexible. It has an awesome secure element in it. And it is a really awesome way in order to have some more flexibility, yet security when you're taking your Bitcoin on the go. I personally am a fan of this idea of making Bitcoin into a medium of exchange and making it into something that people use. I know it's going to take time, but they are working on the UX for making that possible in a secure way possible. So have some peace of mind. Check out the Cool Wallet Pro from CoolBix Bix. And Thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast. So lastly, before we close out the show, I want you each to take a turn at like describing what life in Panama is like, you know, maybe there's some Bitcoiners listening to this. They're saying, hey, if this bill passes, Panama could be a good spot for me. Talk about Panama, talk about the food, talk about the geography, you know, talk about the weather, all that stuff. Let's start with you, Felipe.
2: Sure. Well, one super cool thing about Panama is that you have people from everywhere. When we have the World Cup and there is a game from Italy, you hear in the city the Italians screaming for their team. And these are Panamanian Italians. And then the Greeks, the same. And then the Spanish, the same. We have great Indian food. We have great Caribbean food. It's a real melting pot of cultures because of the position we're in. We have a large history of Caribbean influence. So you get the best, you know, beef jerky, You get the best. I mean, the food is really, really, really great. Also, you can, in the same day, go from one ocean to the other. So you can be in the Pacific Ocean and in the Caribbean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean in the same day. And there's actually a way to see them from a mountain that you can hike from the same vantage point, see both oceans. That's something that it's not possible to do in most places. We're also starting to see a ton of great communities emerge in different parts of the country. There's a great place called Venao Pedasi, which is a sort of alternative ecologically, but internet connected solar punk community or so. You also have a more sort of withdrawn community in, in the other part of the Azuero Peninsula. That's called Torio. You can go and surf every day from your house and pay like $200 in rent, which is amazing. With a good internet connection and living from the internet, you can actually, you know, have a great life here. So We have the best coffee in the world. Geisha coffee is the coffee that sells for more than $1,200 a pound when it's sold in auction. And you can buy it directly from the roaster and the grower. And there's a ton of really crazy experiments happening there around fermenting coffee and using beer, yeast to ferment coffee and do a lot of crazy stuff. So those are some of the examples of what's happening here. We think we can really become a hotbed of new ideas, refreshing ideas in every sort of way by coming from a frankly fucked up region, like Latin America is messed up. So we have a really close vision of the problems that most of humanity is facing. Maybe in developed countries, you don't really see that. So bringing really smart people to come and use the cutting edge of human knowledge to try to solve really basic issues for many people in a place that's open to solving those issues is, I think, a pretty cool experience to live in. And uh, at least I enjoy it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really cool question. Thank you for asking it. Panama, it's, it's kind of hard to describe it because it's a country that I think changes by the day or by the year. So if you come to Panama 10 years ago, it would have been super different from what it is today. And I think that it's improving. Every year it's improving. It's becoming a bigger country, a bigger city, with more people from abroad, with more community, with more places to go, to hang out, to eat, to drink. Like, it's a country that's growing. It's not stuck. Like if you go to some other countries, I don't want to mention any names, but if you go to some other countries in Latin America, you would see that countries, like if we went there like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, it's like the same place, same streets, same houses, same stuff. But Panama is constantly growing, changing, evolving, and in a good way. It's a safe place. I think that's very important. Like compared to other countries in the region, it's safe. So you can walk in the streets, you can hang out at night. You don't need like big cars and bodyguards and stuff like that. It's safe to go into an Uber and and drive to places. It's a safe city and it's a safe country. It's a place where you can get anything you want, like There's so many local pubs now. There's so many like local coffee shops. You can order anything from anywhere. Like you could find all the type of food you want, all the types of shops you want. Like it's a very multicultural, diverse city where you can get anything you want in in the city. So it's whatever you come from in the world, if you're from the States, if you're from Germany, if you're from Switzerland, Asia, since there's so many cultures here, like you would find whatever you need here. It's also a really cool place for doing like exciting tourism. Like as Felipe mentioned, we have the Caribbean. We have one of the best and several of the best waves in Latin America and in the country. Surf competitions are always being done here in Panama. There's a very strong community growing around the surfing spots in the Caribbean and in the Pacific. There's also very, for the people that don't like surfing, but maybe like to go to like hiking and and, and the mountains. And there's also a lot to explore in our in our rainforest. So it's a place that has everything for anyone, like whatever you want, whatever you need, like you can find it here in Panama. And I think that's, it's a country that, is, as I mentioned, it's developing, it's growing, it's not stuck. And I think that's important.
0: Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I learned a lot and I'm much more interested and intrigued in Panama than I was before. So I hope that the listeners are the same. I want to give you both an opportunity to kind of give a last word and plug where people can learn more about the work that you're doing individually, as well as maybe the bill. Uh, let's go back to you, Gabriel, and then uh, close that with Felipe. Sure. I just want to thank you for the, for the podcast, for the interview.
1: It's been amazing to share with you and your audience. Yeah, you can reach out to me in my social media, Gabriel Silva 8 underscore 7. There you can find my webpage. You can find my number. You can find my email. You can find the bill translated in English. You can find all about the bill. We have a crypto portal in my webpage where you can find the bill in English, Spanish, videos, infographics in English and Spanish. Everything that we have set up to explain the bill, because I know it can be a little bit technical for some people. So we have tried to. Summarize it, synthesize it so that people can understand it. Always open for feedback. If people from the community who have been thinking about this for several years have any ideas, suggestions, questions, please, please feel free to share with us. We're building something that it's not only going to be for Panama, but it's going to be for the world. We want Panama to come and be at the forefront of the future of humanity. And that involves everybody, Panamanians, but also people who well, are not from Panama, So everybody's welcome to come here and to share their thoughts, their ideas, their suggestions, and make this bill a better one.
2: Cool. And well, you can find me in any social media at Felcheck, F-E-L-C-H-E-C-K. And as I mentioned before, I'm helping Latin American individuals become creators and live from the internet. Not only... I wish my country to become a sovereign individual, but compatible country, but we're trying to build sovereign individuals down here. So if you want to support that effort or have curiosity, follow me in in, in social media. And as I mentioned, if you speak Spanish, you can listen to my podcast at Latino Futurismo, Latino Futurism in Spanish. I'm trying to build a Joe Rogan in Spanish sort of podcast. So if you are a Latin American related individual that's building something along the lines of building the future in any crazy way. Hit me up. I'd love to learn about you. And that's it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again, gentlemen, for coming on to the show. To all the listeners out there, make sure to follow both of these guys. I have no doubt that they'll both be back on the show at some point into the future, hopefully to celebrate this bill passing and see what happens next. But until next time, you can follow me at CK underscore Snarks on Twitter. You can follow Bitcoin Magazine at BitcoinMagazine.com and at Bitcoin Magazine on Twitter. And anywhere else where you find Bitcoin Magazine content or social media content, we're there. Look up Bitcoin Magazine. You can find us. Five-star reviews. Everyone knows the drill. Peace.